Boat. 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 Water. <laughs> All right, hello, pod people, and welcome back to another episode of Big Bad Nonsense. I am Sock, and I am sitting here with the man, the myth, and the legend. All three are one person. It's Biscuit. Hey, do you you know why Kim Jong-un has so many books? Why? Because he's the Supreme Reader! (laughs) Okay. <laughs> uh, reading is good for you, right? I'm not going to complain. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. We'll see you next time. <laughs> uh, thank you for tuning in to the Big Bad Nonsense podcast, people. We are now banned in North Korea for that joke. No, I mean, that's something that comes pretty naturally for most media anyhow. Would we be, though, if we're calling Kim Jong-un the supreme reader? I mean, you could argue that I was, yeah, you could argue that I was just calling him Supreme Reader. It's a word. Yeah, it is. I mean, I'm sure he's very knowledgeable and he reads lots of books. Yeah, well, if I wind up dead the next week or so, then don't tell that joke. (laughs) Oh, I don't think that's going to happen somehow. Anyway... Ladies and gentlemen, pod people, it's great to have you back with us here this week uh, for our continuation of the story of Horace DeVere Cole. But before we do that, Biscuit, can we open up the mailbag? We can. Okay, so I have your permission. We should. Oh, please. We only have one letter this week. Let's hear from all my friends. Well, we have one. What? No. Let's hear from all my friends. Okay, so Susan... From, uh, where is she from? From Florida. <laughs> uh, this, uh, Sorry. what's that? I was just sharing my condolences with her. Oh, okay. Uh, Susan from Florida, uh, says that she, uh, tried to make the, uh, cow udder eclairs recipe that we posted in the show notes. Yes! <laughs> She says that they were the most foul thing she has ever created, and she says that she's created a lot of interesting and bizarre recipes, and uh, she still has the taste of nair in her mouth. Yeah, I, I, I applaud your bravery, but once, and I'm, I mean, I love being in the kitchen. I'll make just about anything once, but once I saw nair in the ingredients, I was out. <laughs> I wonder if you could get around that by shaving the cow udder. See, I don't want to shave my food either. <laughs> okay, I immediately wrote back to her uh, saying, Susan, you know, please tell me that you took a picture, uh, post it on your inter- Instagram, I'll link it in the show notes or something. Uh, but she said that it was so revolting that she <laughs> tried it and immediately threw it away. I... That was probably the right decision. Um, I mean, she deserves a gold star for trying it. But She does. Susan, you get the big bad nonsense salute of... What, what are we going to call this? 
brave brave stuff yes the, the big bad nonsense salute of brave stuff of brave stuff there we go yeah. you are I, the first this is an award we've just made up uh hopefully there will be more in the future but susan you are the very first recipient of the big bad nonsense brave stuff award i hope her expectations weren't that high i, I mean, can't imagine they would have been no and i'm i'm curious where she got the cow udder. uh she did mention that uh she said that she uh went around to a butcher who actually said yeah sure i'll sell one you sell you one <laughs> he was like no way really <laughs> i mean yeah i have them okay uh i mean i assume like there's those people who make up their own make their own dog food and cat food out of you know extra animal bits i'm sure butchers keep all the extraneous bits around to like sell to people yeah absolutely well good for her and i'm sorry you had to go through that uh susan i hope you look forward to a new era of becoming vegan yeah (laughs) i'd probably incentivize it a little bit oh god just thinking if you listened to our entire episode of the insatiable eaters uh, which is where I posted that podcast, and then you still thought of cooking something afterwards, you know. Don't knock the woman. She still got PTSD from taking a bite of that thing. <laughs> okay, yes, I'm not going to knock it, but uh, that that actually, you know, putting that out there, it just makes it seem like she's that much more brave to have listened to that episode and then still tried to go and cook that monstrosity. That is an adventurous spirit. Okay. So, with that, let's close up the mailbag, and we'll move on with the show. Yeah! So, Biscuit. What? Last week, we left off with uh, Horace Devere Cole. You remember the story, of course. The fun-loving, black-faced prankster. Horace Cole, Adrian Stephen, the black-face-wearing pranksters, posing as royalty from a tiny African country, prank the town of Cambridge by convincing them that they're a foreign delegation and show up and, uh, you know, basically make people believe that they're foreign royalty. Yeah, they just walked in there speaking Judas Priest and everybody was like, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I had completely forgotten about that. Judas Priest, yes. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> if Okay, listeners, if you don't know what we're talking about, please refer back to our previous episode where we discuss the uh, Zanzibar hoax in great detail and uh, the great land of Zanzibar where apparently one of the uh, official languages is Judas Priest. Generally speaking, if you're looking through a podcast list and you see one labeled part two, you should go back and listen to part one first. But y'all do you. Actually, now I'm thinking, I'm wondering if I labeled the first one part one. Well, fuck. Well, actually, it doesn't matter because once I upload this, I can go and edit it. There you go. Hey! Hey! Sock Technology. the te- <laughs> Sock the technical genius. Okay, so we were talking about Horace Cole, who was a notorious prankster, and uh, I mentioned a few of the pranks uh, last episode that he had pulled off. I'd like to mention a few more uh, because he's done some particularly bizarre ones. 
One that I didn't mention last episode was when he went to Piccadilly Circus with some of his friends dressed as workers. Sorry, not Piccadilly Circus, but Piccadilly Street. Uh, And for those of you who don't know, Piccadilly is a very busy street in London. And uh, they were dressed as workers, and they just immediately went to work uh, ripping up the street. (laughs) And, of course, police officers see them doing this and immediately think, okay, well, we'll go and direct traffic around them, blah, blah, blah. So I guess they ripped up about half the street before they decided, okay, that's enough, and they went off. Uh, They just walked away, left their tools and everything there, and went to watch the chaos that ensued. See, that's one that you'd think government would get pissed because that's going to cost some money to fix, one would think. It would, but I don't know if they ever actually caught them for this. Well, he seemed like... I mean, wasn't he the one last time that couldn't keep his fucking mouth shut? He was like, we did it! Yes, but of course that was for, you know, the Zanzibar hoax where they didn't actually, you know, vandalize any sort of government property or something. Fair enough. Okay. You know, you've got a point. Uh, Why would they... Like, they actually tried... Some people wanted them punished for the Zanzibar hoax and nothing happened. You'd think that something would happen to them about this. But I guess they never got caught in the act or anything like that. Uh, another thing that I... that Another prank that he did that I thought was quite funny is he threw a party and he invited a bunch of guests and all of the guests had the word bottom in their surname. <laughs> so this is like the name version of him spelling out farts with people's heads? I guess so, right? Like, you know, like this guy's name is Longbottom or this guy's name is Bottomwood or whatever, and uh, he didn't tell them that he was doing this. He just invited them all to this party for them to figure out on their own that they all had Bottom in their name. See, that would be a good place to have, like, a silent auction so they all had to write down their names and be like, wait a minute! <laughs> Actually, that's a prank that I'd really like to pull, like, nowadays. Like, find some people with like interesting surnames and just invite a bunch of them to a party and see how long it takes them to figure it out. Ed Balls? Yeah, something like that. Like, or gee, I'm trying to think of an interesting surname now that I could invite to the party, but whatever. Well, Ed Balls is a guy. Um, yeah. Farage Fartass. <laughs> see, it would have to be a surname that had something very common in it that a lot of people would have. Otherwise, you'd have trouble finding people to bring to the party. Yeah, I think there's only one Farage Fartass, mm. which is a tragedy. Uh, I mean, bottom works because I guess it's pretty common for some English names to have, like, bottom in it. There's a NFL player named Jake Butt. There you go. So, I don't know. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Eloquently put. (laughs) One other thing. Now, I didn't mention this last episode, but uh, and I think it's worth worth mentioning because Horace Cole and Adrian Stephen, I don't think they really had a good sense for the potential damage of their prank. So before we get into the dreadnought hoax, I just wanted to mention this. It's it's. I found it an article that I hadn't read before the previous episode, and one prank that they had thought of doing and this was just before the Zanzibar hoax actually Horace Cole decided to do the uh, the Zanzibar hoax in place of this is that they were thinking of dressing up in German uniforms and tricking a platoon of soldiers into marching into France 
<laughs> yeah, that could cause some issues. Yeah, th- this was before the Zanzibar hoax, so that was in 1905. The First World War would happen nine years later, but still, it was pretty tense at the time. Yeah, I mean, there certainly were worse times to do it, but that's never advised. Uh, it, I think it speaks for just kind of the juvenile mindset these guys have that they didn't really think ahead with anything like uh, shit when i was in like fifth grade i named one of the computers in the computer lab i renamed the hard drive like i don't remember like farts or something like that but the entire computer lab was like linked up to that computer and that was the one that printed things so i thought i was just like farts and it like fucked up the entire computer lab and like no teachers for a full day could print out any of their lesson plans or anything and i was just sitting there like yeah that's a pretty um, awesome prank he he, he did it <laughs> did you get caught oh yeah i I was that was at a private school that uh, I was only at for a couple of years and was not very well liked, nor did I really like anybody. So some teacher like burst into one of our classrooms. She's like, "Who renamed the computer?" And it was like a fucking movie. Like every single kid in the classroom turned and pointed at me in unison. It was awesome. <laughs> uh, we all have a little bit of prankster in us. Yes. Yes. You just you need to think about your intended result and potential other outcomes before going through it. Of course. Well, that is a good segue into what we're about to talk to now. So this is the Dreadnought hoax that we're going to be discussing now. You've got Horace DeVere Cole, Horace Cole, Adrian Stephen, the same two guys from the last time. The other people uh, who were involved in the Zanzibar, Zanzibar hoax are not involved this time. There's a new cast of characters. Only Adrian and Horace Cole are the same. Now, here's another part that's quite funny. Also involved was Adrian Stephen's sister, Virginia Stephen. That name might not ring a bell, but later on she would marry someone and change her name to Virginia Woolf. Uh, yeah, Virginia Woolf. You don't know who Virginia Woolf is? I don't know shit. <laughs> that was supposed to be my big reveal that, like, Virginia Woolf was involved in this prank. Well, how'd it go? <laughs> Virginia Woolf was a famous writer of the early 20th century. She wrote books as such as To the Lighthouse, A Room of One's Own. She is frequently studied in universities. Uh, very famous. Well, not to me. (laughs) You know what? That makes this so much more funny. Uh, Never mind. So, uh, they decided... Well, actually, here's what happened, according to Virginia Woolf. Now, being a writer, uh, she was interviewed about this uh, many times. So, this is about five years after the Zanzibar prank in 1910. And uh, how how it's described by Virginia Woolf, Virginia Stephen at the time, is that... uh, One man from the HMS Hawk, which is a British warship, uh, came to Horace Cole and asked them if they could engage in a prank on the crew of the HMS Dreadnought. So this is very common, I guess, for the Royal Navy, like different boats would prank each other or do little jokes on one another. Uh, The HMS Dreadnought was very famous at the time. 
you might have heard of it. It was in the most recent Star Wars film. So they'd just be doing little pranks, like one of them would scuttle a hole in the other ship, be like, ha ah, I got ya! Yeah. <laughs> I don't think they went that extreme, but they used to... I, I don't know. I don't have any examples of pranks that the Royal Navy would pull on each other. Fire their guns at each other, and then one of them's just like, Alvin! <laughs> I love how your mind's gone to the most extreme form of a prank that you could pull with a warship, which is just blowing other people up. <laughs> just fucking killing each other. <laughs> anyway, the Dreadnought was a very high-class warship of its time, and I guess the other members of the Royal Navy thought they were a little big for their britches, and Hawk went to Cole and asked him to uh, arrange some kind of a prank uh, on the HMS Dreadnought. And it went very well. Well... Uh, again, just like last time, I'm going to say, what's your definition of well? And like last time, I'll say, I'm sure it got a reaction. Oh, it did. It really did. Uh, basically, the prank works very similarly to the Zanzibar prank, in that what they decided to do is they would pose as members of a delegation from a foreign nation, uh, send a telegram to the, uh, to the ship, or someone in command, say that the delegation is coming and ask them to give them a tour. And uh, this is the basis for the prank. And then they're like, look at me. I'm the captain now. <laughs> okay, so the Sultan of Zanzibar, or the uncle of the Sultan of Zanzibar, had been done. So they chose a new nation uh, to do this over. And they decided, uh, let's do Abyssinia. Now, uh, Abyssinia is known now as Ethiopia, but I guess it was known as Abyssinian, Abyssinia at the time. And uh, this, I think, is particularly funny because here you have this supposed delegation coming from Abyssinia, a country which is landlocked, to tour a naval vessel. And I'm sure, just as they are today, a uh, nation with just such abundant resources that they were just traveling all over the place. Just famous for their wealth. Well, uh, I'm pretty sure that Ethiopia and Abyssinia were quite a wealthy nation. And God I mean, damn it. Re regardless of, of the status of the nation, I mean, usually the, the leaders of the country have the resources to travel around and do things, so. Uh, don't correct me. <laughs> it's my job, Biscuit. What am I here uh, for, if not to correct you? Uh, Dropping bombs like Virginia Woolf. I'm oh, we didn't like that <laughs> one, did we? I'm trying to understand what it means. <sighs> I don't know. We'll 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 get rid of this. They're posed as uh, Prince Menelak uh, or Menelik. Geez, I've already forgotten what weird name they've given the guy. Uh, the, they were posing as the Prince of Abyssinia or the king of Abyssinia, and uh, they the prank was set up in exactly the same way. So, they got to, uh, they went to some city, and they sent a telegram, with, again with short notice, just like the Zanzibar hoax, sent with short notice to the commander-in-chief... Captain, chief, telegram from some city! <laughs> posing as someone from the foreign office, sent a telegram to the commander-in-chief of whatever naval station it was, where the dreadnought was, saying, 
hey, the prince of Abyssinia is coming. His delegation would like to have a tour of the Dreadnought. Uh, translators accompany them. Please uh, give them a tour, is basically that. And they went to some theater costumer and uh, had them made up in all these robes and turbans and uh, fake beard and blackface, just as before. I, I hope it was the same one, guys. I cannot you fucks again. I, I don't know if it was the same costumer or not. I assume it probably would be. I mean, how many theater costumers are there? Seven. <laughs> anyway, uh, <laughs> well, why why would he refuse them, right? He would like, this is business. Like, he's not going to care. Yeah, it's business for him, and they seem to be going down the same path as before, so he might as well follow the same steps. Yeah, exactly. So uh, they're all made up in blackface. And again, I'd like to remind people, don't dress up in blackface. It's not going to end well for you. So they all dressed up in their blackface, their fake beards. And now keep in mind that one of the pranksters this time, so we've got Horace Cole, uh, we've got Adrian Stephen, two more friends, and Virginia Stephen, a woman, and now she's dressed up as a man, so she's wearing blackface and a beard as well, just like the rest of them. And presumably some additional, shall we say, figure-altering binding. Well, they were wearing, like, robes and everything like that, so it's not like it would be apparent that she had a female figure under those robes. Okay, well, that's good. If you do, like, a Google search for a dreadnought hoax, you can see, like, commemorative photographs of these people all in makeup and their robes, and you've got Adrian Stephen in his... uh, I, actually, I, I, I don't even remember who is who in the picture, but the, two of the guys are just dressed up in, like, top hats and typical English garb. The other four are dressed in these weird robes, you know, whatever English society at the time would have pictured a foreign person from Africa would wear. That's what they're wearing. Virginia's just over the top, making efforts to burp and fart and scratch her balls just to try to sell it. <laughs> So, this is the plan. They're all dressed up in their fancy robes. Uh, they're dressed up in their blackface. They're dressed up in their beards. Uh, two of them are posing as translators. They're getting on the train. They've What they've done is they've taken a translated Swahili Bible to uh, get little bits of language that they can use in order to fool the people on the ship. And why the two translators, though? I think maybe just because, uh, why not? Who knows? Why? Well, that's not a good justification. <laughs> I mean, why not just have one person that's good at it so they're not flipping through a Bible like, Boat! 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 Water! <laughs> flipping through a Bible? What are you talking about? Well, they trans- said translated it for words or no, 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 no. Like, th- in order to sound the part, what they did was they learned words, like they memorized words from a Swahili Bible. Uh, boat! Boat! <laughs> I'm still not cluing in what it I'm, is you're trying to do here. I'm mimicking with my hands pointing at a book and yelling boat <laughs> in my living room right now. 
I really don't know where to go from here. I don't know what you're talking Boat! about. Boat! <laughs> Boat! <laughs> like, this is what they were doing to sound the part, right? They wanted to sound like they were speaking a foreign language, so they used a Swahili Bible. Well, I mean, it's a step up from last time where they basically were going, Boat! So, I mean, at least they tried to... <laughs> <laughs> put a little bit into it this time. Okay, yes, in the Zanzibar hoax, they just sort of spoke nonsense to each other, and the people who were the quote-unquote translators would pretend to say, oh yeah, he wants to know you know, how tall this building is or whatever. But here's the thing, they ended up forgetting most of the words that were in the Swahili Bible. <laughs> well, <laughs> oh, actually, before, before we even get to that, like, I'd like to point out that they're supposedly coming from Ethiopia, like a place where Swahili isn't spoken. I, I was going to say something about that, but I've had so many swings and misses already this episode. <laughs> okay, like uh, Swahili, like they, they just chose it because they're like, do we have any examples of African languages? Well, we got this Bible that's in Swahili, and they're like, good enough, right? The, y you have to admire the gall they had to assume that nobody would pick up on what was going on, that people would be ignorant enough not to fall, not to unglue their plot. Well, they have no reason to think otherwise after what's been going on previously. I mean, well, they yeah. just go up and start digging up a fucking street and the cops are like, hey, good job over there. Let's help get people out of your way. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So they don't really have a reason to think otherwise. Well, yeah, and I mean, even the Zanzibar hoax, I mean, nobody nobody caught on, right? They're, they're walking around speaking nonsense, and just nobody picked up on it. They were just like, yeah, okay, sure, you know, whatever. Yeah, they had what, like a missionary come up that had been there that wants to speak with them? The translator's like, yeah, he says you can do that if you fuck him, and it works. <laughs> Yes, yes, okay? So, again, it, it's it's the same sort of story. They decide to go for the ruse by trying to speak little bits of an African language. They forget the African language, so to hell with it, they just start speaking uh, little bits of Greek and Latin to each other. That's, I'm sure that just rings exactly the same in the year. <laughs> well, if... It does or it doesn't, I don't know. I took a little bit of Latin in university, and I dropped that course so fast, I left skid marks, uh, because it, it was awful. Yeah, I took it in seventh grade. I got a 50, I believe. Mm, good for you, right? Which I, is about 50 points higher than I felt like I was doing. <laughs> there you go. Uh, it doesn't matter, because uh, if anyone... Uh, spoke Greek or Latin on the dreadnought, uh, they certainly didn't notice. Actually, let's get to that, right? So, they send this telegram, again on short notice, just like the Zanzibar hoax, probably to avoid anyone unraveling their plot before it happens. Uh, they dress up in these costumes, they get on a train, and they arrive to a full military delegation, red carpet sort of greeting. Boat! Is is this going to be the new exclamation like that replaces Cox? I I I kind of think it's better. Yeah, is it better than Cox. All right, boot. All right. <laughs> <laughs> 
See? Catch <laughs> it's, the fever. It's, it's, it's fun to say. I'll give you that much. Okay. So they arrived to this full military delegation, greeted and everything. They bow to their gracious host, and they're put on a little transport ship and taken out to see where the dreadnought is anchored. Okay, so they... All right. I thought for some reason that... Well, it, it doesn't matter what I think. Go on. Okay. Uh, now, if you recall with the Zanzibar hoax, at the end of the hoax, they just cheesed it out of there and and ran away. Uh, <laughs> I, I can see where what you're foreshadowing. Well, I'm not really foreshadowing anything. I'm just like, I want to change the uh, the atmosphere here, right? Because now they're in it, right? They're in it up to their necks. They can't escape. Can't run away on a boat. Yeah, exactly, right? They're Well, I suppose they could jump in the water and swim, but like... You so can run off and do that like wily e. coyote thing where he just like sadly breaks the fourth wall and waves and then they just <laughs> drop. You You can't escape the Royal Navy. Right. One would hope if they're <laughs> decent at their job, it would be somewhat of a challenge, yeah. Okay, and y- you have to keep in mind, again, the environment at the time, because it's 1910, and I already mentioned that prank where they thought about dressing up as German officers. Like, tensions are high between France, England, Germany, all these powers in Europe. It, <laughs> this isn't a good prank to be pulling. This is a warship. Yeah, and it's not like World War One happened because, like, somebody made the wrong joke over dinner. I mean, these things take time before you get to the point of being like, okay, fuck you, we're going to come kill you now. So don't assume just because we're still building up to that that these guys aren't already getting a little sick of each other's shit. Well. that That's my expert war analysis. <laughs> You you should work for the State Department. I think I should. All right, there we go. So, biscuit for State Department. Uh, that's not a Democratic office he can run for, but hey, let's promote it anyway. Okay. My campaign slogan is "Boat." He <laughs> gets funnier every time you say it. Hello, once again, Pod People. We're just going to take one final break here to remind you all that you can find us on Twitter at Big Bad Nonsense. Come and join in the conversation as nonsense happens every single day, and we can get through this together. If you like what we're doing and think a friend would enjoy being part of the nonsense, please share us with them as it helps out the show. Prince Macalen of Abyssinia uh, and his entourage, they board the Dreadnought, and they are greeted to... Um, you know, a presentation of the crew, a presentation of the boat, and uh, and everything else. They're given a tour of the Dreadnought. And uh, there are many points in the trip where things could have gone horribly wrong. The, the thing that I've already mentioned here is that, you know, they were speaking Greek and Latin because they had forgotten all their Swahili words uh, to fool them. Uh, but it doesn't matter because nobody picked up on it. At one point, they're offered food, and just like the situation with the Zanzibar hoax, of course, they're wearing makeup and beards, which is very fragile, so they have to tell the, gracious, the, the wonderful hosts that, sorry, we can't eat because our religion forbids it. 
you would think that would mean there wouldn't be many people left in your religion pretty quick. Well, I mean, or they were fasting or something at the time. Something was happening at the time where they were couldn't eat at that moment, is what they yeah, convinced them. Eating is forbidden. Be like, you know, the Shakers, how they didn't believe in procreation. Oh, yeah. And, yeah, and they, they didn't see how that was going to become a problem. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But, <laughs> well, anyway, they convinced it, them that they couldn't partake of these refreshments because the of some religious reasons or whatever. Now, of course, most of Ethiopia is Christian, but nobody on the boat knew that. No, they think they speak fucking Latin. <laughs> At one point, someone's beard started falling off. I forget who. I don't have that note right in front of me. But someone's beard started falling off, and they had to, you know, surreptitiously go aside and re-glue it on. Beard falling off, also part of religion. <laughs> Okay, and what I think is the biggest crazy thing about this is that Adrian Stephen, uh, Horace Cole's uh, partner in crime for all of this, his cousin or one of his relatives was on the Dreadnought. <laughs> as, oh shit. Serving as an officer. And he didn't recognize him. Well, yeah, he had blackface on. No, I think actually he was just dressed up as one of the translators. Oh. Okay, well, then that's absurd. Actually, let me uh, see if I can... Uh, I'm looking at the picture right now, so let's see. So, Virginia Stephen, uh, Duncan Gra- Grant, Horace Cole, Anthony Buxton is one of the other members. Uh, Adrian Stephen. Yeah, Adrian Stephen is uh, one of the guys who's one of the Europeans, one of the translators. So he's not even dressed up in blackface. He's just wearing, like, a fake beard and a bowler hat. Mm. That can't be him. He's wearing a hat. Okay, here's the thing you have to keep in mind, too. Adrian Stephen is like a really tall guy. Uh, I think somewhere in what I was reading it was quoted that he was actually six foot five or something like that. Right, so he should stick out to somebody that's friggin' related to him. He, he should, he should, but his, uh, his relative is an officer on this boat and does not recognize him. So there's multiple places where this could have gone horribly, horribly wrong. Yeah, that'd be an awkward conversation. Yeah, it would. It really, really would. Like, and what would you do if you recognized him, right? Like, if, if his cousin is looking over there and he's like, oh, hey, what the hell? You know, that's, that guy's related to me. What would he do? Uh, not in front of the army. You're <laughs> embarrassing me. Like, would he turn to his commanding officer and, like, what would he say? He's like that these are not Abyssinians? Like, how would you even explain it? I'm not even sure. I had no idea you were related to Ethiopian royalty. <laughs> uh, the translated fuck. <laughs> You're fired. <laughs> Vote. Okay, so by all accounts, though, as a delegation, they were courteous to their hosts. Uh, at one point... They were offered a uh, a gun salute from the crew, and they actually turned it down. Like Adrian Stephen turned it down uh, because he knew that it would be a real pain in the butt for all the men to clean the guns after the salute. So he said, "No, no, no, no that's not necessary." So they they were offering them the full experience here, and uh, and they sort of said, "Like, okay, you know, you don't have to go that far." You would think even that would be enough to cause a red flag like they're sending a telegram like 
we want a tour of everything. Here, have some food. No, here, we're going to do this. Fuck that. <laughs> well, I think, uh, in a way, the refusing of the salute is even more impressive than uh, being offered it in the first place. I would think that that's kind of considered an insult on their end to have that refused, but I mean, shit if I know anything. Well, I mean, hey, I'm not uh, an expert in you know, etiquette involving royal delegations and all this other business. Uh, but, Well, know, why the hell not? <laughs> Sorry, it's not my area of expertise. All right. All right. If you'd like to complain about that, listeners, you can write to bigbadnonsense at gmail.com and, uh, or, you know, Twitter at bigbadnonsense and explain why Sock should become an expert on... The etiquette of royal delegations visiting warships. You is the one that does all the book learning on this here talk show. <laughs> anyway, that's the story of the hoax. It finishes up. They uh, take them back to the shore. They get back on the train. Oh, wait. Actually, I should mention this before, uh, before we get to that point. And this I find particularly hilarious. The Navy, of course, now they're organizing this tour on short notice, and they do it pretty admirably. But Abyssinia, now of course they're a visiting delegation from a foreign country. Usually when that happens, you raise the foreign country's flag and you play their national anthem, right? Mm-hmm. The country, or the, the country, the, the dreadnought, I guess being on such short notice, messed that up completely. And I bet these guys were all over it calling them out. No. Uh, But the flag that was raised and the anthem that was played was that of Zanzibar. (laughs) Of (laughs) Of all the things it could have been. Of course. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Of all the things that they could have messed up on, they play the Zanzibar national anthem and raise the Zanzibar flag. Hey, I remember what we used to be from there. <laughs> I mean, jeez it. <laughs> I don't think they noticed is the point. Anyway, mm-hmm. they get back on their little transport boat, they get back to shore, they get on a train, they leave. That's the end of that. Prank pulled off without a hitch. Until the press finds out. Oh, so they're actually okay. <laughs> well, just accountability. like accountability. Sorry, accountability. Yeah, just like the Zanzibar hoax, someone went to the press afterwards, and you know, we you can have a good idea. It was probably Horace Cole. Just like in the first situation, he was like, "We have to tell the press," and he went and did it. He did that in this case as well. He went to the press and told them all about it. Navy is hugely embarrassed. Uh, They're being thoroughly mocked for that. Apparently, they even sent the dreadnought to sail away for a few days until the field day blew over. (laughs) They put put a warship in timeout. Yeah. (laughs) Basically, I guess, like, Send it on a mission so that the crew isn't being harassed by reporters or whatever whenever they go ashore. Send them away for a week or something until, you know, they're not as excited to to mock us over it. Go get tacos. <laughs> something like that, yes. Uh, anyway, 
this is not the town of Cambridge. This is the Royal Navy now. They're going to be a little bit more vicious in coming after people. I would think more so than a preppy college town, yes. Now, they demanded that the perpetrators be arrested, but then, of course, you get into the problem, what crime have they committed? Yep, we're familiar with this back and forth from the last. Exactly, right? I mean, they've impersonated fictional people. I mean, even if they were really impersonating real people, they weren't using it for any sort of financial gain. They're not impersonating a police officer or some sort of member of the armed forces. They just went and toured a boat. So I guess pretty much hands up, like, what do you want us to do? So the Navy took it upon themselves to punish them, I guess, in another roundabout sort of way. And I think this is particularly funny because it's sort of a reverse jokes on you sort of thing. Uh, From the picture of the people who, the commemorative picture of the event, uh, one of the, 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 the cousin of Adrian Stephen recognized him and went to ask him. You know, yeah. <laughs> oh, so now that it's in a photograph, he's like, hey, nah, man. Somehow it got out that Adrian Stephen was one of the people who did it. So his cousin from the HMS Dreadnought, one of the officers, goes to his home and says, you know, we're very upset about this. Could you please tell us what's, what's going on here? And basically he tricks him into giving up the names of his co-conspirators. Well, okay. here's where things get a little bit bizarre like and i can only throw up my hands and say maybe this is a british thing but anyway they decide to punish the uh the pranksters by uh caning them (laughs) so they just like take a shillelagh to them yeah 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 uh but it Ah, oh, jeez, I'm not even sure how to explain this. Okay, so Virginia Stephen, nothing happened to her because she was a woman, right? They're not going to cane a woman. Uh, at least that was the attitude uh, of, obviously. of British people at the time or whatever, the British Navy. So they said, okay, we're not going to cane her. Uh, apparently the other guys, they kind of went and sort of half kidnapped them and uh, just sort of poked them with a cane a bit and sort of said, yeah, that's it. How does one half kidnap? (laughs) Well, one of them was visited while he was having Sunday dinner with his family, uh, and he was taken away in his bathrobe at the time and driven to some remote area, and the naval officers or whatever who were supposed to cane him were just kind of like, eh, we feel kind of bad for him because he's in his bathrobe. So they just kind of (laughs) poked him a little bit and then sent him on the train home. <laughs> These guys are not committed to the bit in <laughs> any way whatsoever. Clearly not, okay? It's like, drive them off, and then they're like, all right, then. <laughs> uh, Horace Cole was uh, visited and taken uh, in a similar manner. Of course, he was incredibly sick at the time, so they kind of felt bad, and they are like, well, we don't really want to cane him. So again, they also just kind of poked him a little bit with a stick, and they're like, all right. Sorry about that. (laughs) See, the the whole thing is just so hopelessly British. Yeah. (laughs) It's like knocking on the door like, hello, we're coming to fuck you up. Oh, you're sick. (laughs) You need anything. (laughs) 
that's what happened, right? This is basically the end of the story of the Dreadnought hoax. They posed as royalty, they toured the boat, they embarrassed the Navy, the Navy wanted revenge, the Navy poked them with sticks. Yay! So if you piss off the Royal Navy, some guys come politely cane you. I don't think that's what they would do now, but that's what happened then. <laughs> no, no, I don't think that's what they would do now either. I also don't recommend marching German soldiers in. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, no, none, nobody should ever try any of these pranks. Uh, first and foremost, because it's using blackface, uh, you're not going to come out on the right end of that one. Uh, second of all, because everyone is sensitive about these things, especially nowadays, uh, you're going to get shot... Uh, or something. Uh, they're not going to poke you with a stick as as retaliation. Like th- there's there's no way this could be repeated. Yeah. Now they're going to come knock on your door. And be like we're going to just shoot you just a little bit. <laughs> shoot you in the bum. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Adrian Stephen uh, went on to write a book about the whole affair. It's just called the Dreadnought Hoax. And uh, you can still find it. It's actually a little bit of a hard book to find. I have a copy on my shelf here that I don't remember where I got it. I got it many years ago. Uh, Finding one now, I checked out Amazon and places like that, but it's kind of hard to find. And if you can, it's a little bit expensive. I don't know why. Uh, Putting in a quick search for it right now. And... Uh, you can get a hardcover copy for a mere $259 USD, so that's good. That's absurd. I don't know why it's so expensive. I can only assume it's out of print. And the fucking paperback, 75 70 That That is strange. That is really strange. I don't know why. I think someone should republish it or make an ebook of it for sure, because like there's, it's definitely worth reading. But, uh, actually, if the book is that expensive, maybe I should sell my copy. Yeah, yeah I, I can only assume, but um, Amazon has it categorized under Occult and Paranormal, which nailed it, guys. Good algorithm there. Occult and Paranormal? Yes. They weren't haunting the Judas dreadnought. <laughs> Judas Priest. <laughs> okay, so... That's the story of that. Like, these people basically all go their separate ways. Like, Virginia Woolf, or Virginia Stephen, married, became Virginia Woolf, the famous writer. She started a publishing house. Adrian Stephen eventually wrote a book and was published by her publishing house. Uh, Horace Cole, he kind of uh, faded off into obscurity. Uh, He went to France, and uh, he was cheated on by his second wife. He eventually had a son who went on to write Doctor Who episodes. I know that much. Everybody knows that. <laughs> no, actually, it's it's true. It's his son uh, became one of the writers for uh, Doctor Who, the TV series. I, I I don't have many details. It's not a TV series I watch very often. I've seen it and things like that. But I'm sure there's Doctor Who nerds and fans in the audience who. Oh, might... there are most certainly Doctor Who nerds, and <laughs> if you're ever near one, you'll find out because it'll be the first fucking thing that they mention. <laughs> Okay, I'm not. I'm not. Uh, oh, people like what they like. Yeah, and and that's fine. But they're uh, anyway. Fuck you guys. All right. So if anyone's like big on Doctor Who trivia, they might already know who his son is. 
uh, I think he died rather young as well. I forget exactly what happened to him. Uh, I should look that up. But one thing, and this is going to be the last thing I'm going to mention about this uh, about this story, is uh, I'm sure you've heard the phrase "bunga bunga" before. I uh, yeah. Have you? Yeah, I I don't know what the proper context for it is, but it's kind of one of those nonsense phrases that you do here. Yeah. yeah nonsense and kind of a bit of a racist phrase as well. Uh, yeah, like ooga booga. Yeah, and uh, it was recently, the, the most recent news article I know of that prominently had the phrase was, of course, there's Silvio Berlusconi, uh, who had these wild... Uh, he was the former Prime Minister of Italy. He had those wild parties with strippers and everything, and he called them bunga-bunga parties. Very nice. Yes. Uh, so that's the most recent appearance in the media that I know of. But anyway, reportedly, this phrase was used by this quote-unquote Abyssinian royal delegation frequently on their tour of the Dreadnought. Like, they would go around saying, oh, bunga-bunga. And this was reported by one of the sailors interviewed that it was explained to them that it means good. Now, this is a bit of a controversial historical bit because according to Adrian Stephen, this phrase was never actually used by them. This is sort of something that was made up after the fact that, you know, oh, they walked around saying bunga bunga at everything and that means it's really good. So, but this phrase sort of entered the common lexicon or whatever, and, you know, at one point, the dreadnought sunk a ship during the war, and it was telegrammed the phrase bunga bunga or something like that. as like a congratulations. So, if you ever hear the phrase bunga bunga, this is where it comes from. Maybe not actually used by the pranksters, but arising from the dreadnought hoax itself. What a bizarre thing for them to argue if it occurred or not yeah <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. very odd battle to pick yeah and um you did never mention that um one time on april fools that cole went to uh a city with no horses and dropped a bunch of horse shit on the ground in the middle <laughs> of the so i just wanted to that's uh, my contribution to the research and things. <laughs> that's great that you brought that. I think it was actually Venice, Italy, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah, because, of course, most of the streets are canals, so they have no horses there, and he put a pile of horse shit in it. Yes, like, the, the guy, if, if you search for long enough on the internet, you're going to find so many small pranks that he's done all over the place. Like, one episode, we probably couldn't cover them all. It's you gotta appreciate a mind that's just one day like I'm gonna go put horse shit where there aren't horses and off he goes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Pretty awesome. much. Horace Cole. He didn't actually. He died from a heart attack living in France. Uh, he didn't live to the oldest of ages. He was about in his mid fifties when he died. So that's kind of sad. But you know, he didn't really have as much of an illustrious life uh, after the uh, the dreadnought hoax. I mean, you've got some of these people going on to being uh, writers. Uh, one of them became a famous painter and things like that. Uh, one of them joined the army and things like this. So, I mean, he kind of just sort of faded out, I guess. Seems like a guy that was destined to never really make it beyond being some goofball. 
Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It, it's funny too because uh, like this guy's linked to everything in a way. His sister married Neville Chamberlain. Do you know who Neville Chamberlain is? Of course. <laughs> as long as there are no follow-up questions. <laughs> Neville Chamberlain was prime minister of England. This is the guy who gave Czechoslovakia away to the Nazis, right? The guy who bought peace in our time, who came back after talking to Hitler and saying, you know, I've achieved peace, we don't have to go to war. That Neville Chamberlain. He is the brother-in-law of that man. So, yeah, different career arcs there. Yeah, no kidding, right? It's <laughs> <laughs> So, I, I, even this, and we'll mention this as one final thing, and then we should stop because this episode's getting on the long side, but the Piltdown Man, and I, I'm not even going to ask Biscuit if you know what I'm talking about, but... <laughs> you offend me, sir. <laughs> Boat. <laughs> <laughs> the Piltdown Man, uh, it was a fossilized skull discovered that was sort of incredibly revolutionary or like it, it, it added a lot to archaeology, you know, hailed as like the missing link uh, between uh, apes and humans, like somewhere in the chain of, uh, of evolutionary biology. Uh, it turned out later that, in fact... It was a hoax. It was just a bunch of different bones from uh, monkeys and humans glued together to look like a new skull. He is implicated in being the person who created this. So it's a fake fossil, just like the dinosaurs. (laughs) Pretty much. It's a fake fossil, and uh, he is suspected to be one of the forgers. So it's it's not confirmed, but like this, this guy's got a hand in everything. I guess it's just a name that came to people's minds when some goofy shit like this went down anywhere that he'd be able to reach. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Pretty much. So, Biscuit, what have we learned from this? Um, canes. Boat. Is this word association? Should I respond to this somehow? Farts. <laughs> Is that a Yes. <laughs> prophetic if you think about it <laughs> i don't know what there is to learn about this and this guy fucked around he had some hilarious ideas then somebody prodded him with a stick and felt bad about it <laughs> then he went somewhere and fucked off and died I mean, there's not really a there's not really a lesson here i would say i well it's it's a question i ask every episode you should be expecting it by now yeah, you'd think. You'd think. Uh, I'll tell you what we've learned from this, that sometimes the stars are aligned and you are incredibly lucky with your shenanigans because even with the Zanzibar hoax, there seems to be so many spots where this whole thing could have come unstuck and it just didn't. There's definitely guys like this that they... You know how some people, you can tell that in a different point in history they would have been a perfect fit but they're kind of doing their thing at the wrong time this guy was definitely in the right era because if he tried any of this shit now he wouldn't have even made it to his 50s i suppose at the same time part of me thinks that you know it would have been really cool if like he could have been stuck together with sasha baron cohen yeah that would have been nice 
uh, to see the sort of things that they could have come up with. But I mean, there's there's no point in imagining what could have been with historical figures and present day figures. Yeah, I mean, fuck having an imagination, right? All right, let's finish it there, pod people. Uh, Biscuit, do we have anything we'd like to plug? Nothing specifically this week. If I could be somewhat serious for just a couple of minutes here and this New Zealand shit in the news the past 24 hours. Um, there's no longer an excuse when you say or do something shitty that you're like, it's just the internet. It doesn't matter. Cause you get these fucking losers out there that go out and commit these atrocities that the internet is their only point of contact. They have nobody in real life. So you make these shitty jokes and you put these ideas in their head that you know they're the supreme being they're better than everybody or what have you and this is what fucking happens so let's all try to be a little bit more accountable for ourselves on the old interwebs if we could i would agree completely and uh my heart goes out to the people of new zealand uh it is a terrible tragedy that has happened there and if there's any way that people can help out I strongly suggest that you have a look on the internet and see what you can do, maybe by donating to the Red Cross or any sort of crisis response that's happening there. I don't know of anything specific, but if I find anything, I will certainly put it in the show notes. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So with that, everyone, thank you for listening. I'd like to remind you all that uh, you can check out Big Bad Nonsense on uh, SoundCloud or Stitcher or Apple Podcasts. And uh, also you can join in the conversation at Big Bad Nonsense on Twitter and BigBadNonsense at gmail.com if you want to send us a message. And my goal for the next episode is to have an answer to the painfully obvious questions that I know are going to be coming up. (laughs) Uh, Boat. Boat! All right. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. That is all for today. I love you. Yeah. 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 All right. Yeah. Yeah. Are we pumped? Yeah. Yeah.